good evening. You guys doing okay? Awesome. Yeah, it's good to be here, right? Awesome. Well, welcome to Genesis. Uh, my name is Mike, and I'm the, uh, the pastor here. And at Genesis, we believe in having open doors and open hearts. And so I hope that when you came through the door tonight that you felt welcome, that you felt comfortable and invited. And, and I also hope that you came uh, through the door with an open heart uh, because you've been prayed and prepared for. And so you're not here on accident. We're glad you're here. This month, we, uh, we told you that we would have uh, three big announcements for you. The, the first one that we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago was a discipleship program that, that we launched where basically we partner you up with someone older within the church that you meet once a week for six weeks and they help you grow in the area that you want to grow in. Um, and then last week, we launched uh, a, a resources page for you called Genesis.com guide or just genesis.guide. You can go there on your phone, you can go there on your computer, whatever it is. Um, and, and along with that came the launch of a new podcast that we're really excited about called Genesis Continued, where we are basically just hitting topics that we wouldn't probably discuss here on a Tuesday night. Uh, we're 15 minutes or less, and, uh, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You can actually go on wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, whatever it is, and you can find uh, the intro episode, just a couple minutes long. It'll kind of explain it in more detail. But we're, uh, we're going to release the first full episode uh, on Valentine's Day, so on February 14th. So look forward to that. And so tonight we have our, our third announcement, and I'm really excited about this one as well. Uh, so over the years, Genesis has always supported missionaries and, uh, and or mission organizations. And long story short, a few months ago, we had an opportunity to begin a new partnership with an organization called Mission Hope. Uh, Mission Hope. And so as of today, so we sent out the first check today. We are sponsoring two villages in Nicaragua. Uh, and so I have to practice uh, saying these names, okay? So the first village is called Makintaka, and then the second one is Makintakita. Makintakita, there you go, and Makintaka, okay? It's similar names. Uh, they're in two different locations, but uh, they're in Nicaragua, and, and we're sponsoring efforts for church mobilization for education, health and wellness, and for clean water. Um, and so the great thing about Mission Hope is that they go in and they not only meet physical needs like education and water and things like that, but they also meet spiritual needs as they bring them the gospel. And so when you give to Genesis, this is what you're giving to. We say every Tuesday that Genesis is a, a self-funded ministry, and that is absolutely true. We, we function off of your giving, and then we also function off uh, the giving of people within Northwood Church that believe in what we're doing. And so Genesis has been in existence since 2001, okay, since I was eight years old in 2001. And so when it comes to the budget and when it comes to finances, I, I don't worry all that much uh, because if I believe that if God has taken care of Genesis for so long, even since when I was a kid and didn't even know what Genesis was, he's gonna continue to do so. And, and so uh, if God has been faithful to provide for Genesis, we need to be faithful with what he's provided for us. And so this is one of the ways we're doing that. And so with that said, when you give to Genesis, you're, you're not just giving to a Tuesday night, you're giving to a Tuesday night, but you're also giving uh, to an organization to support change in the world and to support the spreading of the gospel. And so I believe that is something we can all get behind. Amen? Awesome. So tonight, we are concluding our series, Church on the Loose. We've been, been in this series, so this is the, the third week. Uh, we're concluding this tonight. Um, we actually got shirts made for this series, okay? Let me tell you why. So we have somebody that helps us out with design, uh, like a design agency, and they, they do a lot of stuff for the church, but they help Genesis out a lot. 
and this girl is, her name is Marissa, and she designs most of our stuff um, for, for series and things like that. Well, she, she drew that by hand, and then, like, is it called, like, digitizing it? Is that basically what you would say? Like, putting it on the computer or whatever, and, um, and so we liked it so much. We were like, hey, this series is really special for us, and, you know, it comes along with some really cool announcements where we were ushering Genesis into a new era Let's put the thing on a dang shirt because it's awesome. And so, uh, so we put it on a shirt, and, uh, and so it just says on the loose. They're ten bucks tonight, um, and uh, they're really, really comfy as well, which is always a plus, right? Um, cool. Well, let's pray, and then we will jump in to uh, the message tonight. God, I thank you uh, so much for for bringing us here together, God. And, and as we always say, our first and foremost goal tonight is to see you glorified. And so, God, I pray tonight that that uh, that we would be closer to you on the way out. And we were coming in, and God, I pray that you would speak to us from your word tonight. God, we know that the flower fades and the grass withers, but your word remains forever. So I pray that you would speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So as I said, this is the, the third and final week of Church on the Loose, and I believe the last two weeks have been incredible. And, and I love this idea of being the church on the loose because so often we can subdue what the church was meant to be. To, we can uh, subdue it by restricting it to a time and a place when God wanted the church to be in the wild, to be on the loose and without restraint. In the book of Acts, where the, the early church was born, you actually see 40 miracles take place, and 39 of them happen outside of the walls of the church. And so there is something powerful about a follower of Jesus equipped with the Holy Spirit opening the cage door, cutting the leash off, and being let loose into the world. Let me read you a quote from Dorothy L. Sayers. She's a Christian writer, and this this quote has been the backbone of this series. We've read it every night. This is what it says. We have efficiently paired the claws of the Lion of Judah, talking about Jesus, certified him meek and mild, and recommended him as a fitting household pet for feeble priests and religious old ladies. In other words, we've taken the untamable, undomesticated Jesus and treated him like a declawed house cat. Something that you can love and care for, but at the end of the day, something that is still controllable and harmless and demands little effort, sacrifice, or attention. You can think of the way this this series has progressed is uh, in concentric circles. And so in week one, we talked about your faith as an individual and about ripping the tags off your faith. And then in week two, we opened up that circle a little bit more, and we talked about bringing your friends to Jesus and, and, uh, and bringing them to Jesus like the guys did when they went up on the roof and, and tore part of the roof off. And so tonight, we're going to expand that a little bit further, and we're going to talk about reaching those a little bit outside of our normal reach. Uh, when I was in college, I, I, took a, <laughs> I took a business ethics class, and uh, eventually we moved into specifically uh, business ethics, but we started out with very generic ethical dilemmas that you could experience any day of your life. Um, So the first day of class, the professor put us in a situation that garnered various responses. And so we're gonna do my version of that tonight, uh, and I'm kinda excited to see how this goes, okay? So, So I'm gonna put you in a situation here, okay? So let's say that you're driving to work, or you're driving to school, you're running a little late, and you see this. Okay, first of all, do you call, or first of all, do you pull over? That's one option, right? Pull over and help them. Nobody's around yet, no police has come. You see the car flipped over. Do you pull over and help? 
Or two, do you call 911? Three, do you pull over and call 911, but then wait for the emergency responders to get there? Or do you just keep going? You don't have to answer that, but just think, what would you do, right? Okay, let's change the situation. Let's make it a little, make it a little different. You're driving to work, and you're running late, and you remember that your boss just told you if you're late again for work, you're fired. You stop then. Okay, let's say you're driving to school. You see this, you're running late, and you remember if I miss this class again, I'll F-A. You stop then. Okay, let's change it one more time. What about you're driving to work or you're driving to school, you see the car flipped over, and around the road you see, near the car you see broken beer bottles. Does it change if you knew they were drunk driving? Do you feel less sorry for them? Okay, one more. What if you notice on the flipped over car that there's a certain Republican sticker or a certain Democrat sticker or maybe a Confederate flag or a Nickelback sticker? (laughs) Does that change anything? Jesus tells a similar story to this in Luke chapter 10. And so if you would, I would love for you to go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 10. And, uh, and while you're doing so, I'll give you some context to what we're going to read tonight. At the beginning of Luke 10, we see Jesus and his disciples and some followers get sent out to preach and to cast out demons and to heal people. And we actually see them return to Jesus and they're celebrating because They had so much uh, success in doing so. And right after all of this, this lawyer comes up to Jesus and he speaks up and he tries to test Jesus with a question. The lawyer asks him, he says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And so there are some issues in the way that he worded that question because if you really want to do something to inherit eternal life, Good luck with that. And that's basically what Jesus tells him. He, he replies by saying, what is written in the law? What do you think that it means? And the man answers and says, well, you love God and you love people. You love God and you love people. And so Jesus says, well, yeah, you're exactly right. If you do that, you'll live. But the thing is, the problem is that answer didn't suffice for the lawyer. He had successfully summarized the law down to loving God and loving people. But the problem was that he, was still, he still wanted to look for a loophole. He still wanted to look for an easier way out. And so let's read and see what he says. Uh, this is verse 29. We're gonna start with just one verse uh, tonight to get us started. Luke 10, 29. But he, talking about the lawyer, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Okay, so I wanted to read this verse just by itself because there's a lot in this question that I think we can relate to. So he asked Jesus, he says, who is my neighbor? So he wanted to define the word neighbor because then there would be such a thing as a non-neighbor. So in other words, he's saying, he's wondering if, okay, I see the flipped over car and there's a bumper sticker that offends me, can I choose not to stop? And don't we often do that to some degree? 
It's like, okay, well, okay, define the word neighbor or define the word serve or define the word love. I think it's maybe it's time that we stop trying to define it and just start doing it. Jacob and I were, Jacob uh, is the, the worship leader here. He's out of town tonight. We were talking last week about how odd that it is when uh, either for me personally, if I feel like I come up here and speak and I feel like I don't put two cohesive thoughts together <laughs> during a message and then uh, any time that he feels like that he struggled through a song, that, that that's usually when we get the best feedback from people. And we were just talking about how odd that is, that obviously when we feel like we don't measure up, that's when usually when God uses that moment the most. And, and it's one of those things where it's like, if you try to explain it, or if you can explain it, then sometimes God didn't do it. Does that make sense? That if you can explain it, maybe God didn't do it. And so, and so with that said, you know, we don't always need earthly definitions we don't always need earthly labels, and we don't always need earthly explanations for the ways of God. I think sometimes our definitions often get in the way, they make us hesitate, and they hold us back. Sometimes we get so caught up in the definition that we miss the mission. Sometimes we get so caught up in the definition that we miss the mission. And so don't worry about defining what God does or defining what God commands. Worry about doing it and let him do the rest. So Jesus hears this question, and he's going to give the guy an answer in the beautiful way that he always does. So let's read. This is starting in verse 30. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers he, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. So Jesus, to, to answer the man's question, he tells uh, a parable, this fictional story to illustrate his point. And he says this, this man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and, and on the way he gets jumped, he gets attacked by some robbers and they strip him, they, they steal from him, they beat him up and then they leave him for dead on the side of the road. And we see that this priest passes by notices the man, and then chooses to ignore him. And then a Levite passes by, notices the man, and then chooses to ignore him. And the significance of the, the first man being a priest and then the other man being a Levite is massive. The, the priest is pretty self-explanatory, but Levites were basically guys who assisted the priests. And so essentially you've got this man beat half to death, lying on the side of the road, completely helpless, and the pastor sees him and decides to keep on going. And then a little bit later, the associate pastor sees him and then decides to keep on going. So for some reason, the guys who knew better did nothing to help. They had prioritized wherever they had to get over the present problem right in front of them. And so maybe they were too busy. Maybe they were learning how to say no. You hear a lot of that these days. Maybe they thought that their time was better spent elsewhere Maybe they were so caught up in their neighbor definition that they missed the mission. Regardless of the reason, they left the man on the side of the road. Let's keep reading. Verse 33. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and, uh, 
Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And then he stops the story, looks to the lawyer and says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So we see this, this third person pass by, a, a Samaritan. And when he saw the man, he had compassion on him. And he went and picked him up and, and bandaged his wounds. And he put him on his animal, probably a donkey. And, and this shows us that the man was beaten so badly that he was unable to walk. And so the, the Samaritan then pays for a hotel for the man and then promises to pay uh, or, or to cover the tab for anything else that he has to spend. And then Jesus ends the story, looks to the lawyer and says, okay, out of those three, who was a neighbor to the man? And the lawyer, we see from what we read, he, he correctly answers. It was the Samaritan that proved to be a neighbor, the one who showed him mercy. And we see Jesus told him to go and do likewise. And what I don't want you to miss in this story, this is a very common story, the Good Samaritan. You know, this is a very popular parable that Jesus told. And what I don't want you to miss in this story is the significance of the Samaritan man being the one who helped. Because to the Jewish people, Samaritans were their rivals. Jews and Samaritans did not get along. Jews and Samaritans were like dogs and cats, like Clemson and Carolina, McDonald's and Burger King. Yankees, Red Sox, Chick-fil-A, nobody, okay? <laughs> they were rivals. We got Chick-fil-A employees in here, so. They were rivals. And in their culture, it would have been unthinkable for a Samaritan to help a Jew. And so the one who had every right to walk past, the one who was expected to walk past, the one who could have easily walked past was the one who stopped. And so according to this, what's the definition of loving your neighbor? It means helping those who can't help themselves, being okay, spending the time, spending the money, and sharing the stuff. It means picking somebody up when life has knocked them down. But a lot of times, it's not the person that's easiest to love, right? Our neighbor is not always the easiest person to love. In this case, they were enemies, but love dissolved the barriers of nationality. It dissolved the barriers of schedule. It dissolved the barriers of social status. And it dissolved the barriers of priority. And so let me ask you tonight, how are you treating the outcast? How are you treating the mistreated? How are you treating the forgotten? How are you treating those who are hard to love? Are we loving the unlovable? Do we love People, do we love our neighbors more than we love our schedule or our money or our stuff or our time? Do we get so caught up in the definition that we miss the mission? I feel like we constantly worry about whether we have time or if it's the right opportunity or if God has given us peace about it. And so if that's the case, we need to stop defining and start doing. The question is not if God has called us to love our neighbors. The question is not if God has given us peace about it. The question is not if they are a priority. The question of if is settled. The question is only when and how and where. The command is clear. Go and do likewise. Love your neighbor. Love the unlovable. 
And so if we want to be the church on the loose, we need to start praying for situations and start praying for conversations where we can put this to use. And I would highly encourage you to do that. And, and more so, I would encourage you to pray that God would open your eyes to those opportunities. Because I feel like so, so often, you know, it's like I guarantee there are more than we think. I think we have plenty of opportunities to love our neighbor, to love the unlovable or the person that's hard to love. But because we're so focused on what we got going on, that we miss it. We're so caught up in the definition that we miss the mission. And I wanted to end tonight on this. I want you to know that we have the, the ultimate example of this in Jesus. In the grand scheme of things, in the, in the story of God, we were the man on the side of the road. We, we were dead in our sin, beaten down by brokenness. We were that man. We were rivals. We were enemies with God. But God chose to send his son Jesus to die in our place and redeem us and bring us back to him. Let me, let me read this to you. Let me read this to you again. Let's, let's, let's start over. Man was going down from Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers. They stripped him, they beat him, they departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest went by, ignored him. Then a Levite went by, ignored him. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. But a Samaritan. Let me read this to you and see if it sounds familiar. Romans 5. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2, 4 to 5. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 27. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. But God, but a Samaritan. Our Samaritan has come for us. We may have been enemies with God. We may have been beaten and bruised by this world, but God chose to not pass us by. We are not rivals with God anymore. We're not enemies with God anymore. We are sons and daughters of God. Because the one who had every right to pass us by, the one who could have easily passed us by, chose to stop, chose not to. Jesus did not pass us by when he had every reason to, but a Samaritan, but God. We're about to go into a time of communion, and we end every, every series on communion, or with communion. There are two points I want you to get tonight. There are two points I want you to get. First of all, we need to love the unlovable. Love the person that's hard to love. Love the enemy. Love the rival. And do it because we were the unlovable. Do it because we were the enemy. We were the rival. And God loved us anyway. When we were still rivals, when we were still enemies with God, beaten on the side of the road, he sent Jesus to come get us, come redeem us, and come set us free and take care of us. So if you will, you can go ahead and stand with me as the band comes back up. For communion, what I always encourage you to do 
is to take a moment and get your heart right before God. And tonight, maybe it's saying, God, thank you for loving me even though I was unlovable. Thank you for loving me when I was, a, when I was your rival, when I was your enemy. And God, because you love me when I didn't deserve it, I'm gonna go out of my way to love the person in my life or outside of my reach that may feel unlovable. I wanna spend the time. I wanna give the money. I wanna share the stuff. And so tonight, if that's you, you need to take a moment and pray that prayer and say, God, thank you for loving me. Inspire me to do the same for others. So communion, a lot of times I refer to it as a, as a moment of, of recalibration to say, that to, to, take, to pause, to take a moment and say, God, thank you for the blood that was shed, for the body that was broken. And I thank you that by that body, by that blood, is how I've been saved. And there's nothing righteous about this bread and this juice. I went to Walmart today and got it. But it does symbolize the right, how righteousness was given to us. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. So I would encourage you to say that prayer. Take a moment, say the prayer to yourself. And when you're ready, come get the bread, dip it in the juice, and eat. And then we'll close with one song. Let me pray. God, we are eternally grateful that you do not leave us on the side of the road. That you do not leave us in our brokenness. That you, not, you did not leave us in our sin. God, you, did not, uh, you were not satisfied with us as your rivals or as your enemies. But out of the goodness of your heart, out of the perfection of your plan, you sent your son Jesus. You sent our Samaritan to come pick us up, brush us off, provide us with salvation, give us a way back to you. So God, I pray tonight, first of all, that we would receive that love. And then second of all, let it flow through us to others. To love the unlovable. Love the person that's hard to love. And God, that we would truly be the church on the loose. That everywhere we go, your spirit's living in us. And you want us to not lead this world the same. In Jesus' name, amen.